Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. You got it. First of all, before we get biblical, just want to tell y'all, I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I sang in the worship band. I taught Sunday school for four years. Mm. And I'm now an atheist. You could going to college in that time. I know, seriously. You could have well, been doing something with your life. <laughs> I, I was going to high school at the time. You could have been doing something with your life. Which, yeah. yeah. I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it's not for children. And this episode in particular has some very objectionable content. Well, I'd it. agree. Um, that, man, it's not even for adults, really. Mm. If, I you don't have, know if, what... if you have a pulse, it's not for you. For more than... You'll see. Uh, th- nobody should have wrote this. <laughs> this was bad. People say, write what you know, but sometimes <laughs> don't. Sometimes. <laughs> Another idea, don't. <laughs> uh, we're drinking Moscato tonight. Um, I feel like Buster Bluth. I feel like I'm drinking apple juice. Mm-hmm. We're drinking boxed wine and thinking it's apple juice. It's mm-hmm. so sweet. The label said it wasn't cloying, but I think it's kind of cloying. It's pretty cloying. Today we're talking about the Acts of John, part two. Uh, we talked about the first half of this apocryphal book last week. You can go back and listen to that one if you want, but you really don't need to. Mm -hmm. This Um, is a relatively separate story. Yeah. um, I'm going to give you some fast facts. You can listen to the the last episode for full fast facts. Uh, These are half fast facts. mm -hmm. The book is apocryphal, meaning it is not in the regular canonical Bible that you buy at your local Bible Mart. It is an Acts book, meaning it's basically folk legends about one of Jesus's uh, apostles, in this case, John. Uh, It was written in the later half of the second century. Mm -hmm. My preferred half of the second century, if I may say so. Everyone's, I think. Mm -hmm. If you say that you like the years 100 to 150, you're you're a liar. That's the hipster choice. Yeah. Uh, In the first half of this book, which we covered last week, John... This is one of the 12 disciples, John, Mm -hmm. came to (laughs) your buddy, John, came to the city of Ephesus, cured some people, brought some people back from the dead, won some converts, uh, did some damage to the local temple of Artemis, Mm -hmm. made friends with a... Probably for the insurance money. A young man who kicked his dad to death and then cut off his own dick with a scythe. And (laughs) you forgot about that one, didn't you? Sort of. Uh, we stopped at the point where he was about to travel from Ephesus to Smyrna. So actually the part of the text where he presumably goes to Smyrna is lost to history. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, you know, scholars think that that missing part is him going to Smyrna and, you know, I assume, uh, healing some people, bringing some people back from the dead, winning some converts, the text that we still have picks back up with John traveling back to Ephesus. Mm-hmm. So just like at the beginning of last week's episode, we are once again on the road to Ephesus, which is, uh, again, a city in what is now Turkey. And it's the city uh, that Ephesians, the the book of Ephesians in the regular canonical Bible is written to. And it starts off with John telling all of his presumably local converts and friends in Smyrna, hey, I got to go back to Ephesus because I think those guys are probably 
just about now forgetting what Christianity is. You're probably going back to Artemis at this Mm -hmm. point. And they're like, no, no, stay with us. And he's like, fuck you. (laughs) He's not like that at all. I'm sorry. I'm putting words in John's mouth. Um, So he's traveling back. He's got another huge entourage with him. Um, We've got, you know, Cleobius. (laughs) Who could forget Cleobius? A rich guy we mentioned once last episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got like Medes who painted a secret portrait of him last episode. Or rather, he had hired someone. Yeah. Yeah. The former praetor of Ephesus. Yes. Presumably now resigned to a uh, an itinerant life. Giving all his money to the poor, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, we've also got Andronicus, another praetor or high-ranking Roman official, who did demand that John do magic in the nude last week. Uh, but his request was not granted, but he converted anyway. And we've also got... It's good to know what <laughs> what somebody's into, you know? <laughs> You just want to get that out there. Like, like, hey, could you do magic in the nude? No? Okay. Okay. You know, like, I mean, Dan Savage says, like, GGG, but whatever. Um, And we've also got Andronicus's wife, whose name is Drusiana. Uh, And then, like, a bunch of other people. There's men and women uh, whom he presumably picked up in Smyrna. Uh, Plus, like, their families and servants and stuff. So this is, like, a huge... This is, like, a whole caravan. As we established last episode, John does roll deep. Um, We also, in this half of the book, have a first-person narrator, Mm -hmm. uh, which we didn't have before. um, Possibly written by a different author and just compiled, you know, smashed together with this one in whatever form the book reached us today. It's not clear who it's supposed to be. Just one of the crew. It's just, like, a guy... In the, or possibly a girl, a gal, a lady type mm-hmm. uh, in in the crew. So they're traveling. They get to a uh, deserted inn mm-hmm. on the roadside. Not a desert inn. Well, it is actually a desert inn in the sense that desert means deserted, like a desert island. Well, okay. I feel like you're really opening up a famous box <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> the desert box? The heart-shaped box. Um, by what power do you say that that's what it means? By the definition of it. Look it up. Merriam-Webster. A deserted island? Look up desert island. <laughs> I just, I mean, like, that's something that I've never thought to look up because it seems like by the name of it, it would always be a desert island. Yeah, that's been deserted because that's what they came up with the name when people were, like, crashing their ships everywhere all the time. It was, like, 1700. Hmm. They had different. They pronounce things different. Desert Island is deserted. No, I'm, I'm learning. I'm Do not, you? I'm not fighting. Need with me you. to drag you into the etymology corner, kicking and screaming? Because I will. <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm challenging my own preconceptions, and you're getting really aggro with me for some reason. <laughs> also, while we're on the topic, just desserts is things you deserve, and that's why it's spelled with one s, even though it's pronounced desserts. Something that is a dessert. And after... No, in the case of just desserts. uh uh-huh, yeah. Are things that you deserve. Yeah. Things that you justly deserve. Justly deserve. So is it a portmanteau or it's just no, a it's weird just way old of fashioned. pronouncing? Okay. That's stupid. And then people like started punning with it on menus mm-hmm. and they put like just desserts with two S's because mm-hmm. that's the after dinner uh, sweet snack. And then people got confused and now they can't spell oh, it correctly. Oh, so that's what a dessert is. And I Thank have you. to... Fix it every time I copy edit something. Any ways they're going to an inn, the inn is deserted. Uh-huh. 
there's just one bed. I don't know what the fuck this inn is. There's a single bed and like just nothing else. Who the fuck knows what's going on? Apparently the road from Smyrna to Ephesus is... It feels very important that we nail down the details (laughs) early here. Because the whole thing hinges on what this inn is. Because we're going to have one scene here and then we're (laughs) going to have like 70 chapters after that. In any case, they fucking go to bed. John gets the one bed. But guess what? It's infested with bed bugs. You're... True nightmare and dream. Yeah, which I think that we have bed bugs like every five months or so. And then the other day, like I got 12 bug bites on my ass and they weren't bed bugs, but they're really annoying. And frankly, I'm sick of all bugs that live in a bed. But nary a day will go by when you don't pick up a tiny piece of lint or some other scrap. (laughs) Oh, no, it's not a bug. It's not a bug. (laughs) Well, I usually think it's fleas, not bed bugs. Anyway, look. I have obsessive compulsive disorder disorder <laughs> disorder. I've had too much Moscato. I'm full of paranoid delusions. And this bed in this apocryphal book of the Bible does have bed bugs and they're biting John. And in the middle of the night, everyone hears John tell the bugs. Um, I say unto you, O bugs, behave yourselves, one and all, and leave your abode for this night and remain quiet in one place, and keep your distance from the servants of God. And everyone in the party kind of giggles to themselves. They're like, oh, John, what a character. He's yelling at the bugs. But then when they wake up in the morning, they see all the bed bugs lined up just outside the door. And then John's like, thanks, buddies. You obeyed the word of God. You can go back now. And they all scurry back to the bed frame. And actually, it's like an accurate uh, description of bed bugs because it says like, oh, they go like up into the frame and up into the joints, Mm -hmm. which is what bed bugs do. Not that I've ever experienced it firsthand, but I fear that I'm experiencing it firsthand on a regular basis. Which is arguably worse because there's no cure for your condition. (laughs) There's no cure for what? Your condition. Oh, I thought you said there's no cure for ignorance. And I was like, (laughs) you're right. You're right. But there is a cure. Isn't education the cure for ignorance? <laughs> Not this type. <laughs> um, okay, so they make it to Ephesus. Uh, they're staying at Andronicus's house. This is a guy who... Um, now, is this the same Andronicus from the previous... Yes. Okay. It's, it's the praetor okay. who he converted, who wanted him to do magic in the nude, but he didn't. I'm asking now because there's a line later that makes it a little confusing. But oh, we'll get okay. there later. Okay. Unfortunately, another guy in the posse named Callimachus, or Callimachus, is, quote, a servant of Satan. And he falls in love with Andronicus's wife, Drusiana. And everyone is like, bro, she's not going to sleep with you. She doesn't even sleep with her husband because this is an apocryphal acts book, which means that all wives immediately become celibate. Mm -hmm. And then their husbands get real mad until they convert too. And then everyone agrees to never have sex again. In fact, we learn she converted before Andronicus and he uh, locked her in a tomb and threatened to leave her there to die if she wouldn't have sex with him. Uh, Doesn't really make sense uh, with the timeline because like how would she convert before him when he converted like right after John got there? And then also, I guess that he just like let her out at some point, maybe. Or she lived there forever and (laughs) everything was cool. I don't know. And then well, and then she got out and traveled to Smyrna and then whatever. It doesn't matter. Point is, Drusiana is not going to have sex with Callimachus. Serious. If she's not going to have sex with Andronicus, a mighty praetor. And her husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's not going to have sex with this random dude. Mm -hmm. And 
she uh, hears about, she hears through the grapevine about Callimachus's lustful horniness. And Satan inspired uh, sex feelings. Sex feelings. And instead of being like, you know, fuck off, Mm -hmm. she becomes very upset that she is a stumbling block for an ignorant soul. And she's just like, oh, I hate being in this evil, like, female body that tempts men. And she gets a fever and dies. Um, Andronicus is very sad. That's his wife. And John's like, you know, don't worry. She's in heaven. You know, she's a believer. I do like the moment when Drusiana dies. Uh-huh. And it says, and in the presence of John, who knew nothing at all of such a matter, Drusiana departed out of life not wholly happy, yea, even troubled because of the spiritual hurt of the man. <laughs> So, so, so John doesn't know what's going on. John, <laughs> yeah, it says later in the book, and it's not a spoiler to say this, but John has been like shepherded from youth to know nothing about sex yeah. or women. Yeah. So he's like, I don't get it. I mean, like, which like I, symp- like he I was, sympathize with you. But... He was raised to be a fisherman, so like, why? <laughs> but it's it's very sad. This woman dying and yeah. John being like. I don't know. Well, he, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, but she's in heaven now because she's a believer. Mm-hmm. And then Andronicus is like, look, what's important is that she died pure. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, so they, they bury her in a tomb, perhaps the same, I mean, presumably the same tomb she was locked in. I don't think you can just wander around at other people's tombs. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, John gives a sermon. Uh, it's pretty boring about how you can't like judge whether a person is godly until they die because they could like become christian and like start out good but then they go back to sinning or whatever and then but then like once they die they can't do any more sins i figured out the problem that i have with this author's sermons (laughs) and i didn't like the sermons in in part one either Uh uh-huh um they really make the eyes glaze over yeah i'll tell you why it's repetition yeah that he really leans hard on that is anytime he could give you one example he'll give you 10. Yeah. And like then, literally 10. Literally 10. Yeah. So here's just a piece of it. Oh, no. For many obstacles fall into the way and prepare disturbance for the minds of men. Care, children, parents, glory, poverty, prime of life, beauty, conceit, lust, wealth, anger, uplifting, slackness, envy, jealousy, neglect, fear, insolence, love. I swear to God he'd said love before, but he hadn't. <laughs> Deceit, money, Pretense and other such obstacles. Mine had slaves in there somewhere. <laughs> and I was like, that's your slaves are a problem because they're an obstacle to you. <laughs> also, I'm confused because like children are an obstacle. Yeah. I mean, we, we learned about this, right? And in, in the gospel of Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, I guess so. Or the Acts of Thomas. Acts of Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know. It's just weird. They're that, mostly possessed by demons is what we learned there. It's weird that like love and deceit are both obstacles to be put on the same list. I agree. What does that mean? Well, I think I think it means it's Gnostic and we're going to get into it later. Yeah. Also, this sermon doesn't really have to do with like Drusiana in, <laughs> in particular. Um, well, she had an obstacle in her way and it was. But she was the obstacle. That's true. She both was and had obstacles in her way. What were her obstacles? Well, uh, in this case, it would be lust. Of her husband's lust. And love was also an obstacle. (laughs) But not for her. Somebody else's love was. Look, all that's important is that Callimachus is still horny. Mm -hmm. And supernaturally so, I'd say. This guy uh, named Fortunatus, he's the steward 
guarding the tomb. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly know what what a steward is in this context. It's somebody that works for just like an employee of yeah. of the house. Now this whole scene with a steward of the praetor uh-huh. guarding the tomb of the dead wife. Yes, very Shakespearean to me. Hmm, that's true. The names too, Fortunatus. And <laughs> yeah, but that's because he's like basing them off like texts like this. that's fine. Um, that just makes me writer. That just makes you a writer. Yes, as long as there are absolutely no follow-up <laughs> questions. Yes. Anyway, Callimachus bribes Fortunatus to let him into the tomb, and once he's in the tomb, he says those romantic words that every woman. Longs to hear, uh, although in living you refused to unite with me in love, after your death, I will dishonor your corpse. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> it's terrible. I know it's terrible, but it's hilarious that, that that's the story. <laughs> he starts. I just meant it's like puts his hand together. All right. Time to dishonor time, our corpse. Time to dishonor and like announces it. Yeah. Starts taking the clothes off of her dead body and uh, get another great quote here. Um, what have you gained, unhappy Drusiana? Could you not have done this while you were alive? It need not have grieved you if you had done it willingly. It doesn't grieve her now. She's dead, boo. And like, it would have grieved her because it would have been a sin. And also, this is the worst possible, like, lighten up, babe, in <laughs> history. Agreed. He's He is... As the text says, inflamed with an horrible lust and possession of the many-shaped Satan. <laughs> oh, mine had polymorphous Satan. <laughs> Those are both good. Here's a great quote. Uh, While they spoke, that's Callimachus and Fortunatus, uh, there appeared something wonderful, which people that do such things deserve to experience. And the thing that they deserve is a snake appears, uh, bites the steward and kills him, and then wraps itself. Which is weird to me because like. If you bribe the steward and you're like, I gotta fuck that corpse. Uh-huh. The Why is the is, steward in there? No, He's like, well, <laughs> you know, if I'm getting paid, <laughs> I'm watching. Or what? like, what justification is there for him to be there? Uh, he's like, I gotta make sure you don't touch anything else. Like, <laughs> well, anyway, that idiot gets fucking serpented. Yeah. And then the snake wraps itself around Callimachus and, quote, sat on him. Mm hmm. On the third day after Drusiana's death, Andronicus and John are going to go have a picnic there, I guess. Um, it says they, they bring some food. They can't find the keys to the tomb because, of course, Fortunatus has them mm-hmm. and he's dead inside. Um, but, you know, John's like, you know, no worries. Let's just go. God will let us in. <laughs> Great. So they go. And when they get there, they see a beautiful youth in the tomb, uh, much like the angels that Mary Magdalene sees at Jesus's tomb in the Gospels. And John's like, you know, whoa, who are you? What are you doing here? And the youth is like, oh, I was just preventing these dudes from uh, committing necrophilia. Bye. And then he ascends to heaven. <laughs> he doesn't stick around to explain. By the way, you should bring Drusiana back. <laughs> um, and I really like John's response here because he he looks at Fortunatus and Callimachus lying there on the ground, one with a snake wrapped around him. And he's like, he goes, what does this mean? <laughs> it's like, God seriously did not tell me about any of this. And I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and Andronicus is like, no, 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 I got this. This guy, 
was in love with my wife and he must have bribed my dumbass steward to come in here and have sex with her corpse. And then an interesting choice that Andronicus makes is instead of saying like, raise Drusiana, he's like, raise Callimachus, he'll tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really? Why would you? <laughs> I don't know. Why would you rely on Callimachus to tell the truth in it, regardless of who gets raised? Especially because the way the narrative is structured where we're told this from the perspective of somebody in the entourage. It seems like they had the knowledge already that Calamicus was an agent of the of the devil. Or well, whatever. this guy's I mean, the author's telling it in, in retrospect. I know. But like it seems like everybody should know what's going on. It seems like everybody should know. I understand how book work. You understand how book work? Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of you, baby. John tells the snake to get out of here, and it does. And then he raises Calamicus and it says Calamicus is silent for an hour. And then he like regains his senses. I like this is like in the Gospels when the the people who are raised from the dead are like really they're like shaken. You know, mm-hmm. it's like give him some food. Like he needs a lot of food right now. It's realistic. It's a realistic yeah. touch. Um, and then he tells John, like, you know, yeah, I was gonna rape Drusiana's corpse, obviously. Right. Uh, but I didn't get a chance to because first like, of all How was I gonna do that <laughs> when this serpent freaking killed a guy right in front of me? Right in front it really of me. shook me. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, and this guy that the serpent killed was like, really like led me to do some bad stuff. It's like, you're the one who bribed him. You- now that I think about it, it was mostly his fault, <laughs> which everyone um, else agrees with, to be honest. The and- way they treat the 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 blame between Callimachus and Fortunatus is very strange. Yeah, I agree. Callimachus also says that this angel came down and covered Drusiana and said, Callimachus, die that you may live. And he's like, yeah, so now, you know, now I want to be a Christian, naturally. Um, John is like, well, praise Jesus. Jesus is so amazing. He not only prevented necrophilia, he also converted the necrophiliac to Christianity. This is a great day. Mm-hmm. Really, that's, that. do we have to, do we have to? Um, you know, he, he, he says he kisses Callimachus. Mm-hmm. She's like, welcome to the club. We're so glad to have you. We think you're going to be a great asset to the team now that you're no longer trying to literally rape corpses. And then Andronicus is like, hey, do you think you could also like uh, raise raise Drusiana? I don't know, maybe. And John's like, yeah, sure. Raise Drusiana from the dead. She sees that she's wearing only her shift, like her her underdress. Tex says she's very confused. Yeah. I mean, naturally. Yeah. It seems more that she's confused by the shift than being raised from the dead. Yeah, that's true. Well, she probably doesn't remember the whole dying thing, but she's just like, why am I in public in my underwear? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, well, you know, obviously uh, you are a dead body and somebody took your clothes off because they were about to have sex with you. Um, And John and uh, Andronicus explain this to her and they're like, but, you know, good news. That guy's a Christian now. Mm hmm. And she's like, yes, that's amazing news. What great news. I'm not a real person. I just exist in this story for the personal development of the male characters. And now one of those male characters has found Jesus. And that's all that's important to me. And then she's like, you know, let's keep the conversion train rolling. Why don't we wake up Fortunatus? Mm-hmm. Um, and Climacus is like, no, he's bad. 
Like you were about Kalenicus to rape a corpse. Is, it says he's bad. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's like, yeah, he was the one who like led me to do this. No, he didn't. You bribed him. All he did was take a bribe. And then he like snuck into watch or something. Yeah, I guess that's true. And <laughs> um, I mean, John kind of tells him that. He's like, well, you know, God forgives anything. He, you know, he for, he just forgave what you were going to do. I like how he tries to convince the guy that like. You should even forgive the man that you bribed yeah. to commit your crime. <laughs> and he's like, really? I should even forgive him? Really? Um, John actually gives Drusiana the power, and she's the one who raises Fortunatus from the dead. He wakes up, sees where he is and who all is in there, and he's just like, bye. And she <laughs> like, runs away. <laughs> and John's like, eh, well, we gave it a shot. Yeah. Um, says a prayer of thanks to Jesus, breaks bread, and everyone takes communion. They go back to Andronicus's house, and then John's like, hey, uh, a little bird told me that Fortunatus is going to die again because of the snake venom again, somehow. And they send a messenger to go find Fortunatus, and indeed, he is already dead. And John says, you have your child, devil. Harsh. harsh. Pretty harsh. But he didn't convert, so what are you going to do? I mean, they could raise him from the dead again. Yeah, but he's just going to say bye and run away again. Mm, you think his his flaw is a is a permanent moral one? Yeah, his, his flaw is that he won't ask for forgiveness. That's the that's the only fatal flaw in Christianity. Fatal is not really the best word because many of these characters have died. Well, they didn't die if they were believers because then they lived again in heaven. Oh shit! I forgot about that. Yeah, you gotta get with the program. Like the whole deal of Christianity Do I have to get it with is that you don't die. Let's contemplate that while we get more of this fucking juice box wine. You got it. You're going to hear some music and we'll be back in about a minute. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. And we're talking about the Acts of John. Part two. We're closing in on the end of the Acts of John. I mean, we're halfway through the second half. Mm-hmm. So. That's pretty much what I said. I now, don't know why you needed to restate it like half that. half of the second half, we had uh, some objectionable material. Agreed. And a funny anecdote about bug bugs. <laughs> um, what is it? A... Uh, uh, a droll matter or something. <laughs> As described in the text, yeah. Um, 
And uh, if you want to know what that is, then go back and listen to the first half of this podcast and then come back and I'll tell you. What kind of time warp do you, <laughs> do you think people are living in right now? I don't know. No, you can't. You don't know in this day and age, you know, it's like Twitter and imminent threat of nuclear war. Like you just never know. Um, but so we're back with Drusiana. Back with Drusiana. In Ephesus. And... Uh, some folks who didn't witness the miracle, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if I would. I mean, it was definitely miraculous. Um, I would say it was also uh, disgusting and a tragedy, but that's not how they see it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're asking, you know, what happened? People who are. Seems rather a sordid story to go peddling about, especially with your religious whatnots. <laughs> and Drusiana, while she's telling it. Um, says, the Lord appeared to me in the tomb in the form of John and of a youth. And this is a, a bit of a problem mm -hmm. because as we saw in the first half of this book last week, sometimes new Christians get a little confused by miracles and they start worshiping the apostle who did the miracle instead of Jesus mm -hmm. or God. Who they've never met and know nothing about yeah so you know easy mistake to make right um and so john has to explain what is going on here and this is where we get to the heretical part <laughs> of this book it's funny that this is the heretical part. i know and, <laughs> and not the like corpse defiling i know in the text on gnosis.org it was like what follows is one of probably the most interesting part of the of the book and <laughs> you know like an uh, uh, article of extreme controversy in the early church i was like whoa you have got to be you're going to be rubbing serving, my little hands together waiting for this spicy dish here this yeah. is going to be a scramble with ghost peppers you know <laughs> this is going to be a fucking souffle of sous vide mushrooms mm -hmm. and instead it's just a bunch of gnostic bullshit um yeah but so this is this is why this book the biggest reason why it was kept out of the biblical canon i mean probably there's other reasons too which you can surmise <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so john is like okay i know this is confusing but i'm going to explain how god appearing to people works so for any listeners who don't recall, John was one of the 12 disciples. So was his brother, James. They were both fishermen in the Galilee area who started following Jesus. And John starts here with the story of how Jesus recruited him and James. And he's like, you know, okay, we were out on our boat fishing. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone on the shore shouted to us that he needed us. And like, I saw a grown man, but James saw a child. Um, and, you know, we, we each thought that the other was just like a little woozy, a little seasick. They say like, you've been out on the sea too long, yeah. brother. You don't know what you're seeing. Um, but then when they get to shore and they start talking with him, John sees a bald man with a huge beard. And James sees a young man whose beard is just starting to grow. Um, and then he also... Two men, two beards. Yeah. <laughs> he also says like, Okay, then, you know, then we became disciples, and uh, sometimes I would see Jesus as, like, a little short guy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he would be 
so tall that he reached heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never saw him blink. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one. I love that one because I think that's what uh, the InfoWars people say about lizard oh, people. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, that you'll never, you never see them blink. Maybe Jesus was the first lizard person. That would make a lot of sense. I have a book on our coffee table that will explain the connections. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> I haven't read it yet. I can't wait. Um, John also says, quote, when I sat at table, <laughs> he would take me upon his breast and I would hold him. Not sure exactly. There are a couple of what's the, going on in the text that I had. There are a couple of OCR errors. Optical character recognition. Oh. When you scan a text. Oh, okay. Um, but that doesn't sound like one of them. That sounds like a typo. No, I think that's just like old-fashioned at table. When I sat at table? Yeah, I think no. so. Old-fashioned in that it's bad. <laughs> like it's many old-fashioned things. Nailed it, Nico. John says sometimes Jesus' body was like smooth and soft. Sometimes it was hard like stone. Sometimes there was no body at all. Um. He didn't leave footprints when he walked. Sometimes you couldn't see his feet because it was just like a shining beam of light coming out of his leg. Um, He also talks about the time that Jesus took him and Peter and James up on a mountain. Uh, This is the scene in the Gospels where Jesus talks with uh, Moses and Elijah, I think Mm -hmm. it is. And um, here John says that he kind of like peeked through his fingers uh, (laughs) when he wasn't supposed to be. That's a classic fan fiction thing to insert being like. Well, John was there. And like, <laughs> what if he snuck a peek? What if he snuck a peek? And uh, he saw Jesus looking, you know, like an angel, like shining. Um, and But then when Jesus turned around, he looked human. And then Jesus, uh, you know, was like, hey, stop sneaking a peek. Mm-hmm. And he playfully tugged John's beard, as you do when you're telling your friend to stop peeping. Mm-hmm. And the place where he tugged hurt for 30 days. Classic. And he was like, wow, that playful tug was so painful. It's a good thing you didn't beat me. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it is a good thing. Um, and and so forth. There's a few more details like that. What a strange extension of what you believe to be Jesus's yes. divinity. So this is called a docetic view of Jesus, mm. which we've talked about a couple times before. Um, and it's like the belief that Jesus only appeared human, but was really a divine being. Of course, eventually the Christian church settled on the doctrine of the incarnation, which states that Jesus was fully human and fully God at the same time. And so docetism becomes heretical. Mm. Um, and one of the main groups that had a docetic view of Jesus was, of course, the Gnostics. The Gnostics, if you don't recall, uh, thought there was a... Real and perfect God, but that the God who created the world, the earth, um, as described in the Old Testament, was this fucked up miscreant God named Yaltabaoth. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus was sent from the true God to give humans the secret knowledge or gnosis they needed to join the true God in heaven. And you can tell that this text is Gnostic, or I mean, we as amateurs can surmise that this sure. is probably a Gnostic text because the next thing John says... Smarter people than us have determined that this <laughs> is likely a Gnostic text. Um, the next thing John says when he's um, describing Jesus is that he was arrested by the lawless Jews who received their law from a lawless serpent. Whoop. So 
that, you know, we, we read that this was going to be a Gnostic text. We had not found anything yet, but now here we are with Yaltaboth, the lawless serpent. That's and, awesome. uh, and of course, a weird shape-shifting Jesus. You know, they called Satan polymorphous earlier. They did, interestingly. And, yet, and I made a note of that. I was like, well, why are you going to say he's many-shaped when Jesus is also many-shaped? And that's like proof that he's God. Mm-hmm. At this point, John uh, relates a hymn that Jesus taught the disciples before he was arrested. And it's, mm, how do you say, eh, very weird. <laughs> Apparently, Jesus had the disciples stand in a circle with him in the middle mm-hmm. and instructed them to say amen after every line he sang. And lines are like weird little paradoxy thingies. Uh, I will be saved and I will save. I will be pierced and I will pierce. I will flee and I will stay. I have no house and I have houses, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also some some great weird Gnostic stuff that I don't understand, such as an Ogdoad is singing with us and the 12th number is dancing above. That makes sense. Does it? Uh, Yeah. Would you care to explain it? I can't really explain it to mm. you. I'm sorry. Okay. It's just one of those things you, if you have to ask, you'll never know. Probably. The whole universe takes part in the dancing. He who does True. not dance. Demonstrably. Demonstrably true. Of course, that's the red shift and blue shift that you see. In <laughs> he who dance. does not dance does not know what is being done. Then John uh, reproduces a weird little Gnostic sermon that he says Jesus gave. That's, you know, if you knew how to suffer, you would have had the power not to suffer. Learn suffering and you shall have the power not to suffer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then John says that everybody ran away <laughs> from this. Like, all the disciples ran away. And he went and hid in a cave because uh, he was too cowardly to see Jesus be crucified. Mm-hmm. But then Jesus appeared to him in the cave. And he was like, hey, I actually sent you up here. You're not a coward at all. <laughs> and he's, you know, like, he just wants to make sure that, you know, Andronicus and Drusiana hear that part. Yes. Jesus said to John, like, you know, this is some secret gnosis. And I'm only telling you. But everyone thinks I'm getting crucified out there. The truth is, I'm not a human. I'm like a concept. Some people call me Jesus. Some people call me the word. Some call me the way. Some people call me the word. (laughs) The seed, the bread, the door, etc., etc. It's like some Twin Peaks shit. And then he says he's not really suffering. It's just an illusion, you know, because he's not human you mm-hmm. can't be suffering and you know he tells john like oh people who understand this secret knowledge will be as one with jesus presumably that's you know referring to the gnostic version of heaven um which is called the pleroma which is greek for fullness so like people with this secret knowledge will be reunited in the in the fullness that is the perfection of god and the, the real god you yeah. get sucked up to like super heaven yeah which is like the like, which, like, comprises the universe or whatever. Sure, whatever. Um, and then John says that he went down out of his cave and laughed at everyone for being sad about Jesus' death. Seems like a bad first step 
on your journey. I agree. To heaven. I agree. To super heaven. And then at the end of his story, he's like, okay. And so the moral of the story is that God is compassionate and sometimes brings people back from the dead. Like I just did with Juziana and everybody, which is not at all the moral of the story. Like, <laughs> it's like that's a good moral that he, yeah. that God is compassionate, mm-hmm. but it's not the moral of the story that he just told. <laughs> uh, next day. Is the Lord's Day. John gives a pretty normcore sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, God is great. Obey God. Don't sin. Uh, you know, says a prayer that's just like, Jesus, please guide us and keep us. Breaks bread, gives communion. And after they're done with church, uh, John tells this guy, Varys, to bring two men baskets and shovels and they all go to the tomb of a certain brother of ours Mm -hmm. do you understand who that's supposed to be uh no it probably just probably just somebody from ephesus right yeah i guess yeah i didn't know maybe yours had footnotes that explain that i don't know no there were no footnotes okay so he has these dudes who are with him start digging a trench Mm -hmm. and he's preaching and praying well, they dig, which I'm sure makes the work go so much faster. Yeah, It's like, wow, I get to dig a hole and listen to somebody yell at me about <laughs> And listen to someone say like, and the word and the seed and the bread and the. <laughs> then he uh, takes off all his clothes except his shift. He also is wearing a shift, mm-hmm. a little underdress um, and and puts them at the bottom of the trench. And then he says a prayer that's like. Thank you, God, for being so great, and thanks for keeping me a virgin until death. And then he enumerates all, all the, the times, times that God prevented him from having sex. Well, prevented him from getting married. Sure, says. or even looking at women. Yeah, and it says like he was, he was like, yeah, I was going to propose to this one chick, but thankfully God prevented me. And then he he did it again. And then a he third went, time. went blind for two years. Yes. And when he got his sight back. Didn't mention that in the Gospels. <laughs> when he got his sight back, God thankfully prevented him from looking at women. Yes. With his new eyes. Yes. And, uh, of course, thanks for the eternal life in heaven, bruh. He, he thanks God for muzzling the secret disease of his soul. Oh, yes. Here's here's um a nice passage. And this is like endless, right? Okay. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm choosing. I'm editing it down to something interesting. But pretend this goes on for like five pages. And as I come unto thee, let the fire go backward. Let the darkness be overcome. Let the gulf be without strength. Let the furnace die out. Let Gehenna be quenched. Let angels follow. Let devils fear. Let rulers be broken. Let powers fall. Let the places of the right hand stand fast. Let them of the left hand not remain. Let the devil be muzzled. Let Satan be derided. And so on and so forth. And then it says, uh, And having said unto us, Peace be with you, brethren. He gave up his spirit, rejoicing. Now, gnosis.org mm-hmm. has some alternate versions of the ending. Okay. So some versions say that uh, mana grows at the gravesite, mm-hmm. like we saw in the book of Exodus. Doesn't so, mana fall from heaven? No, mana grows. What? I mean, it's like from heaven. Oh, okay. It's like sent by heaven. Sure. But it grows and okay. they harvest it. I always imagined it as like meteorites or whatever. Bait. Or like... Bread rain. Go back and listen to our Exodus episode. <laughs> what? I mean, we. T- I was there for that. <laughs> Apparently not. You don't seem to remember it very well. We went over this. 
Look, I'm sorry that I have to pull ranks with you, but it's very clear. Some say mana grows at the gravesite. Some say they covered John with a linen cloth, and then when they came back the next day, the body wasn't there. Uh, one version says they came back the next day and found only his sandals and the earth springing up like a well. Uh, the important thing is he's dead, and in no version does it explain how or if he used the graves that he made people dig. That seems like a reference, or not a reference, but maybe something that's supposed to echo Elijah and Elisha. Because doesn't Elisha go and pick up Elijah's clothes from his grave? Yes, and because Elijah ascended to heaven. Right. Um, and definitely, like, the ascension of John is a is a popular subject of of renaissance paintings or whatever it's like a but it's a good point that if he ascended he didn't really need that grave yeah why did he dig the grave and it doesn't ever say that it says like he's standing at the gravesite and he's praying and then i thought he got in the hole does it say he gets in the hole i think he gets in the hole. i don't think he gets in the hole i think he's trying to make things easy for people so he just like dig me a grave i'll climb in and and like send my spirit up to the sweet dude <laughs> sweet dude mm -hmm. i don't know I don't know. It seems to me like he has them dig this grave and like tortures them with a fucking sermon during it and then just like ascends to heaven like ha ha. Mm -hmm. Also, when he's describing all the ways that he never got to have a relationship with a woman, uh -huh. it seems way sadder <laughs> than, than you think it intense. was meant to be. Yeah. Mm. He's like, thank you for saving me from the first woman that I loved. <laughs> and thank you for saving me again when I thought I fell in love again. Oh, and thank you for taking my eyes and making me ill for two years. And when my eyes came back, preventing me from looking at a woman again. Thank you for all of that. Yeah. It seems. It seems kind of. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. But now he's got the power to raise people from the dead mm -hmm. and ascend into heaven. So I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be better just to, like, fall in love and have sex and then become an apostle? Well, yeah, that that's a seem to be a loophole that, like. All these like Andronicus and Drusiana, right. you know, like in all these act books, people do. There's a lot of married couples who then become celibate. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. Maybe that's worse because then you like know what you're giving up. Although it seems like for women in this time period, it'd probably be better to give it up. You know, yeah, the, the husbands are never very happy about it, but the wives are always very happy about it in, mm -hmm. these, in these stories. Who knows? They were written by men. Who knows? Anyway, I think it's time we rate this book. All right, let's rate this book. How would you rate this book? I think I'm going to give this one 12 out of 49 many-shaped satans. Okay. And it's a kind of a complicated rating. <laughs> okay. So, first, I mean, the story that they try to sell me at the beginning part of this. Yeah. Not the one about the bed bugs. That's great. <laughs> That's pure gold. That's top quality tent. Uh-huh content i would say but the the one about drusiana and calamicus yeah what the fuck were they thinking <laughs> what the hell kind of story is that simply what the fuck it doesn't make sense it's so extreme and over the top and i'll give you two main reasons why only two i know that you'll say men are trash I so mean, it's not that unbelievable i mean yes but and in that sense I mean, it's it's hard to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but what I would say uh -huh. is that in terms of what they're trying to sell me here yes. on this whole Christian thing, 
the the tone of it seems far too extreme, uh, both in terms of uh, what Calamicus is trying to get up to and in how they treat the the blame for the incident. Mm-hmm. How Calamicus, an agent of the many-shaped Satan, mm-hmm. is... A servant of Satan. ...forgiven immediately, while Fort- Fortunatus, everybody's like, ugh, what a piece of trash, he took a bribe. <laughs> but... And here's the real kicker. Why, this is why it's such a complicated rating for me. I kind of like that. What? Not the part where they blame for Fortunatus. That okay. doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> okay. But the part where it's like, of course, you f- find somebody who's committing an awful, awful, disgusting crime and you embrace them mm-hmm. and you say, I forgive you. That's the extreme forgiveness that is like a, the core tenet of, of Christianity. Yeah. Direct from Christ. Yeah. So in that way... In that way, it's good. It's just that it's written so poorly and makes so little tonal sense that it's it's really gross. Well, I think that the key detail is that Callimachus repents mm-hmm. and Fortunatus doesn't. And that's like supposedly all that matters. Mm. Um, the fact that it lines up with like who has money and who doesn't, I don't think is coincidental. Um, that like the the... Well, the servant is like the wicked one. I and, see. You know, I think that's probably like the bias of the author. Mm-hmm. But the repenting part is is consistent with, you know, think about the prodigal son or whatever. Yeah, but it's weird, too, because in order for him to repent, they had to bring him back from the dead. So they forgave him before he repented. Well, yeah, I mean, like the angel did say, die that you may live. Right. So it's kind of a. a intervention situation which doesn't seem fair because why doesn't everyone get an intervention situation right i mean it's like and that's not even john displaying great wisdom or anything like that he didn't know anything about it he didn't know anything about it yeah and like maybe the guy who was going to take a bribe deserves intervention more than the guy who was going to literally rape a corpse yeah and it seems like that guy brought the devil into Fortunatus's house. You yeah, know? like Fortunatus would have just been chilling. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. He did take the initiative to go in there. But he did, regardless, bring the literal serpent to that door. True. The, with the poison that killed Fortunatus. True. And maybe Fortunatus only needed a few more hours to understand. Yeah, maybe. Instead, he got snake bit twice in one somehow. Mm-hmm. I am going to give it 10 out of 25 bed bugs. Sure. Um, it's just a very sordid tale, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I just don't really like resonate with any of the Gnostic stuff. <laughs> Why would anybody? I mean, make it was sense. popular. It was very popular. I imagine that it if you're a certain type That wasn't the question though. Why would anybody? <laughs> I'm not asking did anybody. If you're a certain type of person, I bet that you resonate with like, oh, I have the secret knowledge mm. that nobody else has. Okay. You answered my question. Um but like all this, the other details just seem very unappealing to me. Um I don't know, they're just they just don't seem connected to anything real. Uh and neither does the whole fucking snake necrophilia subplot. The bed bugs, though, very important. Um, Grounded. Yeah. I understand that one on a visceral level. Mm -hmm. So, whatever. I don't know. You know, it's the Axe of John. Hey, 
It's the Acts of John. It's strange from another time. What are you going to do? And it didn't make it into the Bible. Yeah, it didn't make it in the Bible. And frankly... With good reason. That was a good decision. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Put Jubilees in. Put the Didache in. Mm-hmm. Keep Acts of John out. And get rid of Paul. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Let's read some listener mail. Our listener Flynn sent us an email with a, quote, special double rating based on my bar mitzvah parsha. Three out of three beatings of the ass with his stick and ten out of ten opened asses' mouths. I assume those are different asses. He also said, I don't yet have my own pet, but for now I thought I'd send this widely cursed cat for extra cursing. And he sent a picture of the famous grumpy cat. Are we even allowed to curse grumpy cat? Like, I feel like his lawyers are going to come after us. That's one great point. I think he's also has representation of some kind. Yeah, so they're like, going to come after us for a percentage of that sweet, yeah, sweet podcast money. I feel money. like we're going to get like legal, like in legal trouble with like Big Grump. Well, Big Cat, you mean. Um, no, Big Cat is a lion, a tiger, panther. We're also going to get in legal trouble with ourselves because I don't think we can legally under the contract that we signed as content creators. <laughs> with God. <laughs> in our joint distribution agreement with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And Sunday School Dropouts Productions, <laughs> a subsidiary of Nico Back Enterprises. Um, I'm bringing Nico back. <laughs> I don't think we can curse a cat without the permission of its owner. Mm. I think we can bless whatever dogs we want. Hmm. Because Interesting. Because that has no... Because uh, uh, you can just bless. You can bless. You can bless. But what if... I mean, if all cats need curses, doesn't Grumpy Cat also fall under that umbrella ah he does all cats do need curses but we don't curse all cats do we Hmm. what we do is curse cats whose owners have signed a waiver (laughs) yes yeah it says that in the auto reply when you email the show (laughs) by emailing us this photo you have consented to etc etc but the important thing is i don't think we can curse this cat all right well flynn when you do get your own pet Mm -hmm. send us that pet and we will curse or bless as is appropriate. And to Grumpy Cat, I say, fuck you. Nothing at all. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. Don't come after me. <laughs> that will do it for today's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. Woohoo! Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Drop. We are also on Facebook with that URL or just search for Sunday School Dropouts. If you want to send us a cat that you own or a dog uh, that you own or don't, one that you own is better. You have to send us photos too. You can do you so. Sign the waiver. To contact, you do that by emailing. To contact <laughs> at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's contact at sundayschooldropouts.lolnot.com. If you want to follow Lauren on Twitter, you can do so at Lauren E. O'Neill. If you want to O'Neill spelled like Shokiel. <laughs> Not like Shokiel at all. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, if you want to follow Nico, because he is on Twitter, thank you, all you cyberbully fans. He is Nico Bakulich. N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. You can also visit his website at thatsamename.com for music and stuff. Big thank you to Elise Carlton for our original logo and art. And thank you to Nico, of course, for editing music and sound engineering. And hey, do you want to help us out and like get us some more listeners? You can do that just by leaving us an iTunes review like Pettysburg71, who gave us 7 out of 7 inexplicably maintained high places and described us as a delightful and sardonic look at the bible and gave a shout out to our first chronicles episode which was a million years ago and i don't remember what we said on it i'm 
Really happy that you enjoyed it, though. That's going to do it for tonight's Sunday School Dropouts. We will see you next week where we're going to keep talking about the Bible until someone fucking stops us. (laughs) We will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.